Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Welcome to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, bringing the shapers of the business world together with the musicians shaping jazz, soul and blues. My guest today is Connie Nam, founder of Astrid and Mew, the contemporary jewellery brand. Growing up between South Korea and America due to her father's job as a diplomat, Connie was inspired by her mother's passion for jewellery. Together they'd search local markets and quirky jewellers, talking to vendors and picking out unique items full of stories. It was when burnt out from an early investment banking career that Connie decided to create her own fashion company. She'd noticed existing jewellery brands were stale and impersonal, with products under glass counters and sales staff in uniform. Don't we just know all of that? Launching Astrid and Mew from her flat in 2012, Connie aimed to bring personality, innovation and storytelling to the jewellery market. With her mother managing the relationship with a Korean supplier, Connie spent the first year overseeing everything from product design and marketing to sending orders. Astrid and Mew are now sold online and in 23 stores across the UK, Ireland and the US. And they've expanded their offer to include piercing, welding, tattoo and engraving services. I can't wait to find out what welding is. Connie Nam is my business shaper and you're right here right now. It's great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I've, I've dabbled in the world of Astrid and Mew only because I have two daughters, um, two sons, but the daughter's more interested in Astrid and Mew. I think walking around Selfridges. If I recall, I'm pretty sure. We are in Selfridges. I had a moment there. I was thinking, she's looking at me going, no, Elliot, we're not. You've just not, made not, that up. No, not me personally. But we are in Selfridges. You not personally, but your, your brand is. First question is, why Astrid and Mew? What is the story of, of the name of this company? A really good question. So I wanted to incorporate two girls' names, one Western and one Eastern. As um, per your intro, I grew up between America and South Korea. And my upbringing is quite unique where I was exposed to different cultures and I wanted the brand to represent Western and Eastern cultures. Astrid is a Western name, obviously, and Mia is a Eastern name, and they both mean beautiful. And I really wanted um, to create a brand where everyone feels beautiful in their own skin and everyone can be themselves. Hence Astrid and Mew. And there's a whole backstory behind Astrid and Mew, if you wanted to hear that. I want to hear a little bit more. I mean, you give yeah. me a, you give me a, a soup song. I'm, I'm now feeling like I need the main course. <laughs> so Astrid is an introverted artist. She lives in Camden with her musician boyfriend. She loves to go to museums, coffee shops, independent shops. And is this a real person? No, it's not. It's a fictional character. Oh, okay. For but a minute, I thought um, I knew Astrid. This sounds yeah, very interesting. But she, she is inspired by my sister. Okay. She's a Pisces. and Miyu is an entrepreneur she grew up between Tokyo and London and um, she's single she lives in Shoreditch she's the life of a party and she's um, a Libra and she's inspired by a younger version of me a cooler version obviously and the interaction between Astrid and Miyu what's their relationship like? they're best friends they're complete opposites but they're best friends and that is the manifestation of the of the jewelry. Yes, that that is our customer. That's mm. who she is. And whenever we create campaigns or collection, we always have Astrid or Miu in mind. So it's not it's not that a collection or a store is an Astrid or a Miu mm. collection or store, but some stores are seventy percent Astrid, thirty percent Miu. Some stores are fifty percent Astrid, fifty percent Miu. What I like about the the brand and it's and the way you brought it to life from two thousand and twelve is the fact that you talked about the genre of fashion. 
And as you said, it has been that stuffy thing in this category. Is that because the Miu in you is a fashionista or is it because there was a gap in the market? I think a combination of both. I mean, the real story is I wanted to create a brand that I wanted to wear. But obviously, the investor pitch and the public speeches, I found a gap in the market. But that becomes a cliche. You know, I just had a a hunch that there was a gap in the market for affordable jewelry that was well-priced, well-designed. But at that time, there was this research by McKinsey. It was so timely because I could put into all my investor decks. It showed that the jewelry category was highly fragmented. It's the most fragmented category in fashion, where most people are shopping in their mom-and-pop shops or local jewelers, and there weren't that many branded jewelry. The only branded ones were Tiffany or Cartier, really high-end jewelry brands. Or or in the mid-market, there was only Pandora or Swarovski. I read somewhere that you'd said you were always going to set your own business up, and you were in the investment banking world, which we referred to earlier. And obviously smart, lots of degrees and masters and things like that. Where was this knowledge? Where did it come from that you knew you would be running your own show? The knowledge, I think it just came from the gut. But obviously it could be a combination of me having a business degree and being in investment banking. And during my time at investment banking, although like, you know, I I was burnt out in the end, I loved the fact that I worked on a lot of startup IPOs at that time. I worked in the Hong Kong office and there were a lot of um, tech IPOs in China in particular going on. And I was looking at these um, business models, meeting these entrepreneurs, and I was just so inspired. And I guess like I gained a lot of knowledge there. Mm. But essentially, I think it was that gut feeling that's always resided. Always, like literally as a little kid? Yeah. You just knew? I wouldn't say (laughs) I just knew. I I, I wouldn't say I was that confident, but I knew that I always wanted to do my own thing. That sense of moving, um, and people talk about cultural differences in very superficial ways to me, but that sense of moving between worlds, whether it's South Korea and America, or whether it's, you know, even a part of London, Camden to Wandsworth, these are very different worlds. Have you always felt like a little bit of an outsider? Yeah, absolutely. And has that has that been the juice? Is that the thing? Is that the thing that propels you? Because are you able to see things because you're not quite in it? Yes, absolutely. I've always been observant because I was always an outsider. So, I first moved to the U.S. when I was six years old, and when I walked into the room, the classroom, everything was like a blank. I felt like I was walking into a dark room. I couldn't understand anything. But by month six, I was completely fluent in English and. I think that kind of gave me a sense of empathy and also observing people. And then when I went back to Korea, I thought I'd be welcomed in my own country. But I was the kid from America when I went back. This was when I was nine or ten. And at that time, not many kids moved abroad or traveled. So there were like these kids from other classrooms that just queued up to see me because, oh, there's this kid from America. And they'd line up and ask me to speak in English or write their name in English. I guess I kind of became a celebrity at that time, but <laughs> it, it was just so weird. How old were you? I was um, eight or nine at that time. Oh, wow, like really young. Yeah, so these, really are, these young. are actually formative years. Yeah, formative years. And I mean, I could understand basic Korean, like a six-year-old Korean, but I couldn't understand sophisticated language or what the teacher was saying in maths class, or I didn't know any of the language because I was thrown into a local school. And I think all of these experiences you know, made me super mm. observant and empathetic. And here we are in 2023, we're, we're in England, which is home, obviously. This is yes. home, right. How and why did you choose here as home? 
Yeah, so when I worked in banking, I worked at Credit Suisse and their European headquarters are in London. So I worked in London for five weeks initially for my analyst training. And I just loved it here. And then after that three years on, I came back for, I think, around five weeks at that time as well. And I loved it. And I always knew that I wanted to come to London. I had to live in a cosmopolitan city because that's where I belong. So it was either New York, Hong Kong, I think London. Those are the three comparables. And I just loved London. You could be yourself. I feel like it's much more diverse than New York. New York is diverse, but I think in America, there's um, this sense of having to be American. Whereas in London, I didn't feel like I had to be British. So I just felt a sense of belonging immediately. And this is how, how long ago did you did you come to live here? So 14 years ago. Okay, fine. Yeah, so th- I, this is home? Yeah, this is home. This is my chosen home. Chosen home. Good. Staving for much more from my business shaper and her chosen home. Um, it's Connie Nam, and she's the founder of Astrid and Mia. We're going to be finding out about where her love affair for jewellery came from in a little bit more detail as well. She's coming back in a couple of minutes. Right now, we're going to hear a taster from the Mishcon Innovation Series, which can be found on all the major podcast platforms. Business founders share their industry insights and practical advice for those of you thinking about getting into an industry and starting your very own thing. In this clip, Julie Dean, founder of the Cambridge Satchel Company, confronts the idea that only a certain kind of person can be an entrepreneur. The Mishcon Innovation Series. Insights from founders for your future business. In association with Jazz Shapers, with Mishkon Derea. It's quite unique, I think, in showing how doable it is. The fact that this woman who is in her late 40s had just had an eight-year career break to bring up her children, (laughs) decided to code her own website, go into an area that she knew nothing about, and then start a factory and work with Comme de Garçon and Vivian Westwood and real kind of like royalty and start it all with just £600 and never put the family home at risk. <laughs> you know, if, if you can't look at that and think, oh my God, if she can do it, then yes, I'm going to give this a go. And if you can't look at that and think, look how that transformed her life and the life of her children. But... Oh, the adventures, you know, the insanity of thinking this is the person then that that went on to get a CBE. You know, this is a person that travelled to Detroit with Richard Branson to, to mentor some companies. She had literally no experience of this before doing it. If you can't find that gives you hope, then I really don't know, you know, what more could. So that is the biggest gift of the Cambridge Satchel Company is its hopeful ability to inspire others. The Mishcon Innovation Series, in association with Jazz Shapers, with Mishcon Derea. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishcon Derea. It's business, but it's personal. You can enjoy all our former business shapers on the Jazz Shapers podcast, and you can hear this very program again if you pop Jazz Shapers into your podcast platform of choice. My guest today, unless you haven't been listening, in which case naughty you, is Connie Nam, founder of Astrid Amiu, the contemporary jewellery brand. The jewellery thing. So here we are, the banker turns into um, the fashion Easter-y jewellery thing. Why, why was it going to be jewellery? Was there a, a short list of other things you might have done? And how did you alight definitely that this was going to be it? 
Yeah, firstly, I had a strong passion for jewelry because it brings back a lot of memories from childhood. I used to travel a lot as a child. Um, you know, li living between Korea and America, we used to travel a lot as well. And my favorite pastime is going to markets and boutiques with my mom, looking for jewelry, looking for trinkets, not, not expensive ones, just really rather cheap ones, but they all meant something. And my mom still has them. And whenever I go back home to Korea, I look through her jewelry drawer just to bring back memories. So jewelry always had a special place in my heart. That combined with me wanting to do something in fashion, I looked at different categories. And apparel, shoes, and bags were the other obvious choices. But there were just so many cool brands that mm. I felt like I couldn't compete with because they were they had their designer names behind them or it was just a very competitive market whereas jewelry there weren't that many branded jewelry at that time and when you went to those markets can you cast your mind back to the first time you were with your mum and you're walking around what was it is it is it simply the magpie because I mean obviously you know there's the cliche about why women more than men probably why they get drawn to something sparkly or that but what specifically if you can remember was there a a moment when you went, oh, it's the blue of Baboom or it's the green emerald. I just love it. I think it was the warmth and the feeling of it, just the hustle and bustle with the market stall owners and the boutique owners and just the fact that I was bonding with my mom and my sister at that time, having that like girl moment. So yeah. it was all about the experience. And how have you translated that? How have you kind of wrapped that up and put it inside the Astrid and Mew experience? Yeah, that's a really good question. So that experience is the whole inspiration. It's less about the, you know, the glitter and the glamour. It's more about that warmth and the experience. So I, when I started in 2012, obviously there were resource constraints. So I started it with an e-commerce site, but I always knew that I wanted that physical space. So I always did pop-ups. I was always there chatting to customers, asking them about their day, not trying to sell jewelry. So this is what I always tell my staff. You need to build relationship with the customers and you need to ask them and become friends with them and share that warmth. You're not selling jewelry. You're creating a moment and an experience and you want people to feel like they belong in this space. And how in the early days were you creating jewellery, which was, as you call it, creating a moment. What was the inspiration for the very first range that you did, if you can remember? Inspiration for the first yeah, jewellery collection. very first jewellery collection. Yeah, very first jewellery. That, that's a good question. So I think, I can probably say in the UK, we've created this demi-fine jewellery category, and it didn't exist at that time. So, so demi-fine means it's not made out of fine materials. It's made from sterling silver or brass, and it's plated. But it looks very fine. It looks like fine jewelry. And now there's a lot of like great brands doing it. But at that time in 2012, we were the pioneers. And this actually existed back home in Korea for a long time. Oh, did it? Yeah. So I basically took inspiration from what existed in Korea, what was very popular, and then brought it over here. And that was the inspiration. And I think it really resonated with a lot of influencers at that time and press because this category just didn't exist. So when we launched within the first two, three weeks, press just picked us up. And my wish list of press was Grazia shopping list and the stylist shopping list. And we were in both publications within the first two, three weeks. And do you recall, I mean, were you there when you saw things being sold? With, you know, in the early days? I'm assuming... Yes, I, I was. And so... what did, again, what did that feel like when you see someone actually buying the thing that you've designed? Oh, it felt amazing. So when we had that first press piece with Grazia, I, I, re I even remember the first customer's name. 
Go on. Yeah, her name was Amy Peters. Amy, hi, if you're there. <laughs> <laughs> she probably is because you get super fans, right, in this world. Yeah, so she was the first customer who was not a friend of a friend oh. or a friend family. Someone so that you I hadn't still... pulled, their, twisted their arm and said, come on, please buy this. Yes, so yeah. I still remember her. And I think a few weeks later, we did a pop-up in a female co-working space. And she came in. <laughs> and I knew she, who she was. She, uh, so I was chatting to her and she was like, oh, I bought from you last week after the Grazia feature. And I was like, are you Amy? <laughs> I, I did ask, are you Amy? Yeah. And I think she was a bit shocked. <laughs> like literally she said, are you Amy Peters and your age, sir? And I know exactly all that. I mean, you didn't do all that. No, you didn't spook her. She's like, you're think, she's thinking, yeah, wow, you've got an amazing memory. You're like thinking, no, I've only sold three things. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. Literally, I know. But you know, you've just got to, you've got to present like that. That's yeah. brilliant. That's brilliant. The thing I've read about you is this, obviously, the business is now 11, 12 years on. And what happens as a business grows, and I said earlier, 23 stores and the online thing, and you're growing and you're moving here and there, is that, of course, you're then managing a bigger operation. You become the CEO. You're no longer just the founder. What's that been like for you in terms of the stresses and the tribulations of having to deal with less control rather than all the control you had in the world? It's been very stressful, but I'm glad that I made that transition. So um, in 2019, I had this moment. I hired this person who was brilliant, but I guess partially it came from my insecurity. I felt like she was criticizing everything I was doing. And I was suffering from imposter syndrome nonstop. So at that time, it just hit me and I thought, I need help. So I um, sought out for an executive coach who's with us, with the team and me, until now. And she's really brought light to me, saying, you used to be a founder, but you need to step up to be a CEO. And what that means is you're not into the details. It doesn't matter, like, you've brought in these experts and you need to trust what they do. And they're not criticizing you. They're trying to make the business better. So hard, though, right? Because if you just see something that's not quite right the way that Connie wants it, then what? What does Connie do? Does Connie step back or does Connie say something? Yeah, so the advice I give early stage founders is people can't do 100% as you would like. They might do 80%, but they might do that 20% through their own lens and they might make it even better. So you need to leave people to do it their way and give them autonomy if you want to get the best out of them. And obviously, this is something I've learned along the way. It's yeah. easier to say now. <laughs> You're like saying it through gritted teeth. But do you, you've got to answer honestly now, do you, do you think you enjoy this role as much as you enjoyed actually creating the business in those first few years when it was the hustle and the bustle? Oh, that's a difficult question. I think, the, I think they're very different. I do enjoy it now. I didn't enjoy the transition period, to be honest. And what was the secret to getting through that transition period? Because a lot of people don't make it. I've got plenty of friends who they can build a business to X size, X million turnover, and they say, and then it's not for me. I'd rather go and start again. I'd rather go and set a new record label up, a new restaurant, whatever it might be. But they know they're fabulous at the beginning, but they don't even try and go through the pain. What got you through the pain? I think it's a combination of sticking it through grit. And you also need to be lucky with your business model where you're making plenty of money so you can hire good people. So hiring a really strong team that complements you so you can focus on the things that you love, I think is key to getting through it. So now I've got an amazing team. 
you know, half of my leadership team have grown with the business, which is amazing. So they know everything inside out about Astrid and Miu. They do it the Astrid and Miu way. And then half of the leadership team are from more established businesses that have gone through very similar journeys. So they bring in a lot of external knowledge. And just having them gel together and having them complement my skill sets and the entire team's skill sets, that's been key, I think. She's describing nirvana. <laughs> it is nirvana at it the moment. It is nirvana at the yeah. moment. No, that's good. Uh, at the moment. No, that's but, good. But it's been very, very painful. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Stay with me for my final chat with my guest today, Connie Nam. And we've got some classic candy statin for you too. That's in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Connie Nam is my business shaper just for a few more minutes here on Jazz Shapers. The purpose thing, the reason you set this business up, the stuff that you do with the Felix Project, which is about, I think, giving uh, food to young kids. I've known a few people over the years that are involved in it. Um, the work that you do with the Baytree Centre, providing personal development activities and English classes and so on and so forth. The brand lab that you run, the Accelerator. There's lots of things that you do which say, of course, it's about the money, but actually, I want to feel good about my life. Why is it important to you that you do want to feel good about your life? Doesn't anyone want... No. <laughs> and I guess so, but some people do and they might do one thing or they might talk about it, but you've actually done stuff. That's yeah. the thing that intrigues me. I, I think I've always been very purpose-driven. My parents are very purpose-driven. They were quite religious. We, I grew up going to Sunday school, okay. uh, which I don't, I don't go to church anymore, but I think that values-driven approach to life has always been deeply ingrained in me. And I always wanted to do something that's greater than, you know, making a living. And which bit makes you proud now the most? Is it is it the other things that you're doing around the business or is it still at the core when you know you've created a winner on a new, a new collection? I think all of the above. Is it? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie that the business is not important because I'm super competitive and I want to be a winner. I want to be a category leader. But I think knowing that I'm doing good for the world and I'm developing people along the way. And the most rewarding thing, to be honest, is seeing people you know, especially people that grew up with the company, flourish. Hmm. And where does the business go from here? We're now sort of over a decade in. You've come along, you've created a buzz. As you said, very quickly, you were there on Grazia and Stylist and on that list, which, by the way, even I look at. I'm able to just... I know it's ridiculous. I've been doing this for a long time. I've got many... Well, it's like Astrid and Mew. I'm something and something inside of me. Who knows? Uh, Let's not go there. I love that. But but, you know, none of us are straightforward. It is not a binary. Being being human is not binary. But for you, where do you now take this beautiful brand? So we've built a really beautiful cult brand around London. We're still much a very London-centric brand. And last year, we started opening regional stores. So now we've got quite a good regional following. Last year, we also opened our first store in New York, first international store. And this year, we opened our second New York store. Mm. And we're creating a lot of buzz around there. So I think um, international expansion is on the cards. In the next five years, I want to make Astro de Mew a truly global brand. Do you want to go east as well? Yes, at some point. Hong Kong. Maybe. I would start I would Seoul. start in Korea. You Seoul. would start in Seoul. Yeah, I would start in Seoul because that's where I'm from. Yeah. Um I've got friends there. She I... returns. Yeah, yeah. She has conquered many parts <laughs> of the world. Here she is. Our very own, ladies and gentlemen, it's Connie Nam. <laughs> I mean, I, I would love that. My parents would be proud. I bet. And Seoul yeah. has become a very 
like cool epicenter for fashion. And technology and all sorts. I mean, it's an extraordinary, extraordinary country. has been for many years. Well, that'll be fun. That'll be a lot of fun. I Um, think so. It's great. I mean, I I love that ambition. And and for the UK, though, is it just more of the same? Or have you got specific plans? Ooh, watch this space. Uh Are you in Bicester Village as well? We are in Bicester Village. And you're there for a sort of 12-month period. Yeah, we're we're there for a pop-up. And we're um, currently looking into a different format of retail which will um, mm. launch next year. so Where people float. They don't walk into a store, they are lifted. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> a different format. Okay, cool. Okay, that'll be well, interesting. Well, I'll need a scientist to do and, that. I, and I should have asked, what's the welding? Is this the welding fixing? Is it fixing jewelry or is it yes, making... Yes, it's... Right. Um, so, so I've got my welded bracelet here. So we ah, have yeah. jewelers. Gorgeous, yeah. Jewelers with welding machines sitting in all of our stores and they weld the solid gold chains onto your wrist permanently so you don't have clasp around. Okay. Um, Which means they won't really fall easy. off. How do they, you get them off, though? Off. How do you do that? Well, you can cut them off. You can come ah. to our store and cut them off. If you wanted to do an MRI scan and if you have, um, yeah. you know, imminent surgery, you can ask the welder to put a clasp on. So <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> Let's hope you don't have imminent surgery, but if you do, you can go back yes. and get it cut off. Yes. It's been so nice talking to you, Connie. Yeah, um, likewise. Uh, thank you. Thank you for spending some time with me. Just before I let you disappear, back to the world of Astrid and Mew, um, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? Come Away With Me by Nora Jones. This is me and my husband's favorite song. And we actually went to Nora Jones' concert a few weeks ago. She, she is my all-time favorite artist. That was Nora Jones with Come Away With Me, the song choice of my business shaper today, Connie Nam. She talked about having empathy from being an outsider, both when she was in Korea as a Korean-American and in America as an American-Korean. She talked about creating a moment or an experience, and that's at the heart of Astrid and Mio, and that's a really nice way of thinking about any business, actually, beyond the category itself. And finally, as she moves from that role of founder to CEO of a big organisation, focus on the things that you love doing, and that's going to be your way through it. Great stuff. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a lovely weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business but it's personal. We hope you enjoy that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishcon.com forward slash jazzshapers.